This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. I think about that time when our family had just arrived by plane in Milan at Lenati Airport. And it was in winter time, and we told you this before, I don't know. It was, it was winter, it was dark, and as the plane was coming down to land there, there was such a thick fog, I thought, it looks like we're diving into an ocean. Couldn't see anything. The city was hidden under the fog. The city was completely socked in with fog. It was engulfing the city. And we, and we rented a car, and we, and, and we rented a car there, and, and, and we had to find the Jolly Hotel in Milano Due. And I thought I was so clever, I was so proud of myself at how much money we had saved by this rental car because I didn't even know what it was, but I rented a Fiat 500. <laughs> and in the 1980s, it's about half the size of the Fiat 500 today. <laughs> so when they brought the car out, my wife and two boys and I, we stood with all of our luggage in total disbelief. And they brought this car out and, you know, I didn't know how they can make a car so small. And so I said, well, pile in, you know. So they all piled into the car. The boys sat on their luggage in the back seat, you know. There was no other place, you know. And we started off in this complete fog, having no idea where we were and how we were going to find the Jolly Hotel in Milano Dewey, because there's another Jolly Hotel in, in Milan also, you know. As if, anyway. And I, you couldn't even see the line on the street. It was that foggy. You know, it was like being on one of those rides in Disneyland, you know, where you kind of go in and it's all dark and all of a sudden you turn out, things appear, you know. That's the way it was. Always, it's, and we were surprised every time the headlights would show something. And so I started off driving, you know, the lights shine, and all of a sudden there's this, it's like I said, it's a Disneyland ride. And so all of a sudden there's this lady, and she's going like this. It reminded me of Disneyland light. You know, it says, stop. And so she's standing right in front of the car. She's begging us to stop so she could get a ride. <laughs> She needed to get home already. It's dark, you know, it's, it's foggy. What are you going to do? So, you know, the, the, the family, they looked at me and I said, well, of course, we're going to stop. <laughs> so we stop. And the lady looks at the little car and I said, you know, it's all motion with my hands, all we got, but get in if you want. And so stopped the car. Family thought I was out of my mind. 
And I invite the lady in. She climbs on top of the luggage with the boys. <laughs> the boys are like smashed on either side. She was quite a large lady. And uh, she sat right in the middle, you know, and, and there wasn't even room for me to shift the car, you know, because there were legs and all these things in the way. And, and she spoke Italian and we didn't. And so, but, you know, we kept getting it, you know, turn right, turn left, you know, this way, that way, you know, and other things that she would say. And then finally she said, stop. And so we stopped. We reached her house and I let her out and she got out of the car and, you know, then the family looks at me like, well, Christopher Congos, where are we going to go now? You know, so, <laughs> so we got out and says, okay, goodbye. She lived right next door to the Jolly Hotel. It was unbelievable. Look up and I thought, it's a miracle. It's a, a lot of miracles happen in Italy. But the point is, is that I showed mercy to this old lady and the Lord showed mercy to me. But when we look at verse 8, where it says, then said Boaz unto Ruth, we can see there how much Boaz condescended to speak to Ruth. As a landowner, Boaz had a very high position, and as a Moabite widow, Ruth had a very low position. But because Boaz condescended to speak to Ruth in verse 8, Ruth gained a very high position, being made an equal to a daughter of Boaz with privileges of a daughter, the most privileged place among the reapers there to gather, the most privileged place of protection by having the young man being warned by Boaz himself, treat her respectfully, treat her with dignity, let grain fall to her. The most privileged place of provision by arranging that the young men are gonna draw water for her. She was elevated because of Boaz. She was elevated because Boaz condescended to come to her. It was the condescension of Boaz that made Ruth great. And that's a picture of how we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have been elevated. Just like Ruth, we have gained a high position of being made equal to a child of God. And like Ruth, We've been given this high position of the most privileged place of care, as God said, as he said to Israel in Deuteronomy 32.10. Deuteronomy 32.10. He found him in a desert land, waste-howling wilderness, led him about, instructed him, kept him as the apple of his eye. We've been given the most privileged place of protection with the ability to say the same words that were said in 2 Samuel 22.2. 2 Samuel 22.2. The Lord's my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, the God of my rock, and him will I trust. He is my shield, the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. We've been given the most privileged place of provision. Psalm 147, 14. Psalm 147, 14. He maketh peace in thy borders, and fillest thee with the finest of wheat. Deuteronomy 8, 7, the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains, the depths that spring out of the valleys, the hills, a land of wheat, barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil, honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, out of whose iron, out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. Psalm 84, 11, the Lord, God is a sun and a shield. 
The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly with him. See, even to the least detail of how long the shoes lasted when those 40 years when they were walking in the desert, it was as if God said, has any of you taken a time to look down at your shoes lightly after 40 years? Because it's a question, have you thought about how it's possible to not, ladies, have you thought about how it's possible to not have to buy shoes in 40 years? He says in Deuteronomy 29.5, Deuteronomy 29.5, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxing old upon you. Your shoe is not waxing old upon thy feet. He says, look at it. And just as the only reason that Ruth was made great was because of Boaz condescended to come down to her, that's the only reason we've been made great. It's because God, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, condescended to come to us. As it says in Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Of course not, he was God. But made himself of no reputation, condescension. Took upon him the form of a servant, condescension. Was made in the likeness of men, condescension. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, condescension. And became obedient unto death, condescension. Even the death of the cross, ultimate condescension. Because of the condescension of the Lord, we've been made great. And because of the condescension of Boaz, Ruth was made great. And that's what's described in Psalm 18.35. Thou hast given me the shield of thy salvation. Thy right hand hath holding me up. Thy gentleness hath made me great. Psalm 18.35. See, that verse tells us how we've been made great, having been given the shield of salvation. The Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua or Jesus. And that's what Jesus is to us. He's the shield, the shield of salvation. He's our shield. The Lord Jesus Christ shields us from the evil. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, the Lord is faithful who will establish you and keep you from evil or the evil one. The Lord Jesus Christ prayed for us in John 17.15, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil. Just the name alone of the Lord Jesus Christ is our shield, as it says in Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. You know, the Hebrew name for shield is Magan. And this is, this is David who wrote this, Psalm 18.35. So David is saying, thou hast given me, me David, the shield of thy salvation. Thou hast given me the shield of thy Jesus, of thy Yeshua. See the six-pointed Jewish star, the six-pointed Jewish star? That's called a Magan David, the Magan David, and it's David's shield. And so in Psalm 18.35, when David tells us Yeshua was David's shield, that's David's Magan or Magan David, Yeshua is the Magan David. See, then in Psalm 18.35, it says, thy gentleness hath made me great. The Hebrew word for gentleness is the word anava, anava, and which comes from anaviv. And we can see the meaning of anaviv when you look at Psalm 147.6, where it says, the Lord lifteth up the meek. Psalm 147.6, the Lord lifteth up the meek. The Lord anaviv, the meek. Anaviv, anaviv, it has the meaning of being low, meek. Sorry, meek is anaviv. It has, anaviv means low, and you get lifted up from a low state. So Psalm 18.35 reads, thy anava." hath made me great, which means thy low position hath made me great. Or we could say thy condescension has made me great, 
We've been made great by the condescension of the Lord. Psalm 18.35, thy condescension hath made me great. The condescension of Boaz made Ruth great. The condescension of the Lord Jesus Christ has made us great. But there's something else we see about what Boaz said in verse 8 when it's the word then. Just that word, then. Just one word, then. Then said Boaz unto Ruth. The word then brings us to see at that moment. At that moment, Boaz spoke to Ruth. There was Ruth in his field, and there he had just found out about Ruth. And there was that opportunity for Boaz to speak to Ruth. There was the opportunity for Boaz to either speak roughly to Ruth and ask her to leave his field, or to not speak to Ruth and convey the same message to Ruth, and she was not really welcome in the field, and she might as well move on, or to do as he did, to speak as he did kindly to her. That's the word then. Then brings home to us that it's showtime for Boaz. The spotlight's on him. The word then, God's spotlight was on Boaz. It was the time for Boaz to make a decision and move, speak kindly. This brings us to, to us the, how our opportunities to show kindness are passing. They're passing. We need to seize our then opportunities in our lives. We need to recognize them and seize them. Mordecai saw the then opportunity for Esther when he wrote to Esther in Esther 4.14, Esther 4.14, if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, that's a then, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise of the Jews from another place. Don't you worry your sweet little head about it. God's going to save the Jews. But that's not in the scripture. That's a little anecdote. <laughs> so, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. Who knoweth? whether thou art come into the kingdom for such a time as this. That's the then. When Mordecai wrote those words, thou art come into the kingdom for such a time as this, when he wrote that to Esther, Mordecai was telling Esther she had reached her then moment in her life, which was the reason why she had been raised to the position of the queen of Persia. By saying to Esther, thou art come into the kingdom for such a time as this, Mordecai was telling Esther God had overruled all those other women who were there in the running to become queen of Persia and placed you, Esther, as queen of Persia so that you could seize this then opportunity for you. And if Esther had failed in that critical moment to seize the opportunity, then she would have failed to accomplish the reason for her exaltation. If Esther had failed in that critical moment, then it would have been like a pregnancy that went into miscarriage. The then opportunities, they seem to just suddenly come to us with no advance warning. We find ourselves in this den opportunity. You know, it reminds me of this last week. I was standing in line at a grocery store buying the nectarines and the peaches for the pie I made for family night. If you didn't have some, sorry. And anyway, there was a young woman and she was in front of me and she was buying this 10 pound piece of chuck roast and a lot of vegetables. And then there was an older woman in front of her who had already been checked out. And I was wondering, move on lady. But anyway, she stood there. And she held up the whole line, this older woman, and asking the younger woman, are you a cook? What are you going to have? What are you going to cook tonight? Who's coming over to your house for dinner? And on and on she was going, you know. And I just want to check out. And I was getting irritated. But I listened, and I finally realized, you know, because I'm like Einstein, I finally realized she's Jewish. <laughs> so outside the store, I, I find her, and I said, so, you like to cook? 
I like to cook. Let's talk. So <laughs> it turns out she was Jewish. And anyway, I invited her to come to church, uh, to family night. As soon as I said church, she said no. <laughs> but then she asked, what was the name of the church? And, uh, and so in the end, she promised to come to the Creation Museum. We changed phone numbers. See, that was a then sudden, sudden then opportunity. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're probably sitting there having afternoon tea. They thought, well, this is nice. What could, everything, what could be wrong here? Suddenly, they're arrested and brought before King Nebuchadnezzar and threatened with death that they didn't worship Nebuchadnezzar's gods. That was a sudden then opportunity, a little disruptive. But they said that was their opportunity, declare their allegiance to one God. And they said something very significant when they said to Nebuchadnezzar in uh, Daniel 3.14, Daniel 3.14, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do you not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you be ready, at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, the harp, sack, the psaltery and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image that I have made? Well, that's okay. But... If you, if you worship not, you'll be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered. It's interesting what they answered because they didn't say something like, you know, can you give us a little time to powwow on this? <laughs> can we take a break and discuss, you know, we, we really, we were just having afternoon tea. It's a little sudden, you know, if we could just have a little time just to formulate our words. You know, we need a little time to be careful about what we say. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this thing. They said, we don't need a powwow. We don't need a conference. We don't need to formulate our answer. We'll tell you right now, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. That was a turning point for that country. That was a turning point for King Nebuchadnezzar, as you know what happened after that. But they said, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter, which means that even though it's in the sudden heat of the moment, they were not going to give it a second thought to give the king a more politically correct answer. <laughs> they had their then opportunity to stand for God, and they did, and it's recorded for all eternity, and we're just reading about it now. And they were telling the king they would not refrain from speaking to, uh, that the Lord is God alone, even if it cost them their lives. And David said in Psalm 140, verse 9, Psalm 49, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips. O Lord, thou knowest. That was them. See, the prophet Amos, he had his then moment or his opportunity that came to him again suddenly. You know, he was out there just minding his business. He wrote about it. He told Amaziah in Amos 7.14, Amos 7.14, then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son. I was a herdman, a gatherer of sycamore fruit. The Lord took me as I followed the flock. The Lord said unto me, go prophesy unto my people Israel. Now therefore hear the word of the Lord. Thou sayest prophesy not against Israel and drop not, etc. See, what Amos was saying is that I wasn't raised to be a prophet. I'm not even the son of a prophet. I had no intention of being a prophet. I was just minding my own business, herding sheep, gathering fruit from the sycamore tree. Well, all of a sudden, God says, the Lord, Amos says, all of a sudden, he says, the Lord spoke to me. He told me, go prophesy to the, 
to God, to my people, God's people, Israel. And, and that was his then moment for Amos. And he says that what he did in his then moment, because he says, he says, now therefore, hear the word of the Lord. See, he went on from, he went, he went from speaking to sheep to follow him, to speaking to Israel <laughs> to follow him. He, that was his then opportunity. And this whole then opportunity is what's emphasized about how the Lord, how the followers of the Lord followed the Lord. How was it that Peter and Andrew and James and John became followers of the Lord? What were the details of that? In Matthew 4.18, Matthew 4.18, Jesus walking by the seaside of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishers. He saith unto them, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. They straightway left their nets and followed him. Going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee, John his brother, and a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them. They immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. You know, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they're just minding their own business. They're fishermen. You know, the Lord comes, and he comes with just one simple offer. He's a simple offer, and they couldn't refuse it. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. You know, that was their then moment. They didn't say, well, let me think about it. You know, their response was not Jonah's response in Jonah 3.2. Arise, he says, go unto Nineveh, that great city. Preach unto it the preaching I bid thee. And Jonah says no, and he goes the opposite direction. But that was not the response of Peter and Andrew, James and John. Their response is straightway. They left their nets and followed him. Immediately left the ship and their father followed him. And as they did, can't you hear the father saying, where are you going? We're in the middle of mending the nets. What are you doing? Why are you leaving me with all this work to do? See, that's what it means to seize the then moment, which Boaz did when he spoke to Ruth kindly. That's the response that God wants us to have when suddenly we find ourselves in our then moment of opportunity. And some, sometimes our then moment of opportunity may be an opportunity just to pray, as happened with Hezekiah in 2 Kings 19. 2 Kings 19 when the whole city was threatened, Hezekiah said, this is the day. This day is a day of trouble, rebuke, blasphemy. The children are come to birth. There's no strength to bring forth. Maybe the Lord will hear the words of Rabshakeh, king of Assyria, as reproach the Lord. And then he said, wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. See, the then moment was an opportunity to pray, which he did. And he saved Israel from destruction. We have then moments to pray, as Paul wrote, in Romans 12, 12, when he said, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Sometimes our then moments are opportunities to respond as Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready to give an answer to every man whether or not he asks you. Give the answer. So what we've seen is how Boaz took the then opportunity and he spoke kindly in an acceptance and a welcome to Ruth and he made Ruth great by his condescension to her low position to lift her up. What should we do with this? Resolve to be like Boaz. Look for the then moments to bring the hope of the gospel to the gospel-less. Let's pray. Lord, do help us, Lord, we pray to see the then moments that you have for us, to seize them, and to bring hope to the hopeless. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.